Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 39 Forgiving Katie got up and started pacing the floor. Hearing a key lock used in the door, she turned in time to see David and Zach show up with pizza. David gave her a grin, while Zach stomped into the room, throwing himself on the bed. Katie eyed the large, sulky young man and decided she just about had enough. Zach! I know you seem to be having a hard time adjusting to your new reality, but I'm tired of your attitude, and you need to get over it. Zack bolted upright, his eyes getting the wild look in them. He's out there with my sister! Katie shook her head. You're not upset over Cluxy dating your sister. You're upset over the fact you realize how much you care for Cluxy, and you're not sure how to handle the situation. Zack looked like he was going to start arguing. The two of you have been inseparable from the time you first met each other. Katie yelled over Zach's obvious objections. All that crap you told me earlier about how you just want to make sure you're the best is probably true to some extent. But the two of you eat, sleep, play, relax, and work together. That doesn't constitute we hate each other mode. That constitutes we're best friends, but we don't want to admit it. Zack got up and towered over her. He's Ku Klux Klan! Katie stood her ground. He's been brought up to hate people of color. Are you telling me he can't get past his upbringing? People are not allowed to change, grow, and become better people? Kluxy is not allowed to realize there's more out there than what he's been taught? You can't change that fast. You can't hate and in two months switch on a dime. Katie shook her head. How do you know? You switched from being totally human to a bear in a space of one night. She jabbed a finger at Zack's large chest. Cluxy admitted to me today he had never even spoke to a black person until he met you. He had no idea what blacks were like. He believed what he was told because he didn't know any better. She sighed, shaking her head. He told me he knew the clan would string him up if they knew he was a pure heart. His greatest pride right now is not that his family are clansmen. Somewhere, there was someone in his bloodline that helped out a white tiger and an Indian woman. That's who he wants to associate with, the distant relative who defied the clan. Katie could tell Zack was listening to her because his wild eyes disappeared. You're the one who can't forget. You are determined to remember. She shook her head. It's time to forget. You're wrong, Katie. If you forget the past, it comes back, Zack pointed out. You can never forget the past. Katie nodded. You're right, Zack. Maybe you can't forget, but you can forgive. She looked at the giant of a man in front of her. It's time to forgive, she shook her head. The hate is tearing us apart, and we're not going to survive if we can't get past the hate. Katie then explained everything Candy had told her. David got up and started pacing the room. She could tell 
He was itching to get back home. He needed to get a closer look at that old abandoned church. He gave her a couple of searching looks, but never commented on what he was really thinking. Later that night, Zach's snores reverberated through the motel room. David got up and started pacing the small room again. Katie watched him from her cot. We should have booked two rooms, Katie whispered. David gave her a quick look and smiled. You would have gotten a good night's sleep at least. I could share, Katie said softly. David gave her a quizzical look. There would have been two beds, she tried to explain. His look never changed. Obviously, making a decision, he strode to where she was and got down on his knees. His face was level with hers. Katie, you haven't forgiven me. Katie gave him a startled look. What? All that talk you gave to Zach about how he needs to forgive and get over it? David reached out and grabbed her hand. It's just talk, unless you can forgive also. Katie shook her head. That's not true. Yes, it is, Katie. David squeezed her hand. I've known you most of your life. You are polite. You give me a couple of hesitant smiles, but you're holding a part of yourself away from me. David, I... I don't care you had sex with Jackson. Katie raised her eyebrows. David gave her a derogative smile. Okay, I care a lot. I'm trying to adjust to my new reality, too. I always thought eventually you and I would end up together. What about Candy? Katie couldn't help asking. David's face turned a deep shade of red. I care a lot for Candy, too. You can't help but love her, Katie said with a twisted smile. I never thought things could be so complicated. Katie automatically responded to his smile. He always had such an endearing smile. She lowered her eyes, not wanting him to see the confusion in hers. Before she knew what was happening, he had scooped her up and placed her on his lap. He leaned his back against the wall, holding her close to him. He bent his head, touching his forehead to hers. I'm sorry, Katie. I'm sorry for all the hateful things I said and for attacking Jackson. I was filled with so much jealousy and rage. I don't ever want to feel those emotions again. Katie leaned against him. Liking the feel of his strong arms around her, David held her tightly. Please tell me you forgive me. Katie closed her eyes, trying to block the picture of Jackson's torn body. I'm trying, David. Just say it, Katie. Just say the words. I will then know you're at least on the road to forgiving me. Katie opened her mouth, but the words seemed to stick in her throat. She closed her eyes smelling his clean scent she had always loved, keeping her eyes closed. I forgive you, David. David squeezed her tightly and kissed her lightly on the forehead. Thank you. They both heard the key lock on the door. Katie kept her head tucked into David's shoulder, expecting Cluxy to make a few comments and go to bed. She felt David's body go tense. Raising her head, she gave a startled glance at the four individuals pointing guns in their direction. Now isn't this touching? Too bad we have to ruin the cozy little love scene. We could take them down, Katie said with her thoughts. David looked at her, not saying anything. Okay, 
I never taught you how to speak privately with your thoughts, and I can see how this is a major disadvantage. So I'm going to give you a quick lesson. You just center your thoughts on me as a person and speak with your thoughts, Katie said quickly, while the individuals were gesturing them to get up. Let's see where they take us, David said with his thoughts. They may give us some information. It's not like they can actually hurt us. Katie gave him a quick nod. Then seeing one of them was going to hit Zach in the face with a gun to wake him up. Whoa, she said loudly. He's going to attack you like a grumpy bear if you jerk him awake. She walked over and calmly shook the oblivious snoring mountain. Zach, she said with her thoughts, wake up. There are four guys with guns in our room and we don't want to fight them. Zach opened his eyes. Are you kidding me? He said out loud. He stopped when he saw a gun pointed at his head. I can take these guys down blindfolded. We want to see where they're going to take us, Katie reiterated with her thoughts. Zach slowly sat up, his eyes never leaving Katie's. All this fighting we learned, and we're just going to calmly let them take us? We have no information at the moment. Obviously, this is a lead. Clock's eight, Zach yelled with his thoughts. We are being taken at gunpoint by four idiots. If you want in on the fight, I suggest you get your sorry butt where we are. Katie hid her grin with a slight cough. Nice try. Cluxy answered back. Cluxy, we are walking out of our motel room with four men at gunpoint. Katie said casually with her thoughts. No kidding. No kidding, David said with his thoughts. You're definitely missing out. Stall them. I'm on my way. Can't do that, brother, Zach said. You just stay and babysit my little sister. The big boys and girl can handle this without you. Katie was glad the dark hid her grin. I've been thinking, Zach said with his thoughts as he crawled into the back of a flowery delivery van. Lizzie keeps doing crap trying to get the pure hearts and seekers to split up. Instead of waiting around trying to thwart her next plan, why don't we give her what she wants? Katie crawled into the van and sat across from Zach. What do you mean? She's going to try something else. If she doesn't see tension between the pure hearts and seekers, that could probably get Nora killed. Zach explained. He moved his leg so David could get more comfortable. What do you suggest? David asked. Why don't we tell the seekers and the older pure hearts to create a show in front of the pure hearts that used to live with Lizzie? This will give Lizzie an indication her plan is working. Zach gave them both a grin, getting into explaining his plan. We won't have anything out of the blue happen to us until we're ready for it. David nodded. That's a good idea. Katie immediately threw her thoughts to a sleepy candy, who told her she would tell Justin in the morning. I'm at the motel, Cluxy said with his thoughts. Where are you guys? Zach shook his head. Can't tell you, brother. We are in the back of a flower delivery truck. Aw, man. I'm missing out on all the fun. If we get any indication where we are, we'll let you know, David said. His face split into a grin. That's going to do me a lot of good. I get lost within a couple of blocks of anywhere. Katie looked up. She felt the van pull in somewhere, obviously going much slower. Cluxy, you're in luck. We didn't travel very far. The van came to a stop. She could hear the two guys in the front get out of their seats. The back doors opened. 
Don't try anything stupid, a voice said in the darkness. David got out first and looked around. He gave Katie a grin before stepping out of the way to let her out. Katie got out, looking around her. Cluxy, she said with a grin. We're at the empty Chicago West building. I'm on my way. Katie walked calmly into the empty building with Zach and David standing on each side of her. A bright light shone on their faces. Katie automatically reached with her hand to stop the glare shining in her eyes. I thought you said only two guys were snooping around the place, a voice said in the darkness. The girl was with them. We decided to bring her along, another voice answered. Wait, I know her. There was a soft chuckle. Katie thought she recognized a laugh, but she wasn't sure. The Boy Scout is involved deeper than I thought. Katie's head shot up, glaring into the light. That's Steve Jones, Jack Price's friend. Are you sure? David asked. You only met him once. Yeah, I'm sure, Katie said with her thoughts excitedly. He refers to Jack Price and Tom Franklin as Boy Scouts with pristine reputations. What do we do with them, boss? Let the freaks have dinner. Katie heard slow and steady steps leading away from them. I hate talking to the freaks. They give me the creeps. I know what you mean. I believe we need to blow this joint before the freaks they're talking about show up, David said with his thoughts. I agree, but I sure would like to know where the freaks are staying, Zach said. Maybe we can do some damage to them before they decide to visit us in Tennessee. Hey, there's one now, the voice said in the darkness. Hey, you! You're not supposed to be up here. The light shone away from Katie's eyes and rested on... She couldn't help grinning, recognizing Hank's large bulk coming towards them. Hank hit the ground to his knees. Sorry, boss, I'm new. I don't know all the rules. He kept his eyes downcast in a submissive gesture. Don't let it happen again, the voice said. Hey, since you're here... Why don't you tell your friends we have dinner for them? Hank gave Katie a quick glance. Thank you, boss. I'm sure the boys will be happy. Katie took a step towards Hank and heard a loud bang close to her head. She felt something like a bee sting hit her back. Play dead! Zack yelled with his thoughts. The air was ripped with gunshots. Katie lay on the ground, her eyes shut trying not to move as she was stung repeatedly with bullets. Sorry for the lead in your food, one of the voices said. Another of the gunmen laughed. Make sure there's nothing left behind, freak. Katie waited patiently for the steps to leave. It's okay. You can get up now, Hank said in a soft voice. Katie sat up. That hurt more than I thought it was going to. David nodded. The hardest part was lying still as you repeatedly stung. Hank grinned. We need to get out of here before the malice come up and investigate what the noise was all about. The malice are close, Zack said in excitement. Hank nodded. There is a basement with tunnels that goes to several other buildings in the area. They live down there. We looked through this whole building. We didn't see any evidence of a basement, David said quietly. The entrance is hidden, Hank explained as he hurried them out of the building. How do you know all this? Katie said quietly. 
Aang chuckled softly. Because I've been down there. Wait, you've been down there? Zack stopped. How could you get down there? They think I'm one of them, Hank explained. They can't tell you're a seeker? Hank shook his head. The only difference between them and me is I still have a small part of the good animal spirit left in me. They don't. We can smell the difference, Katie said. Hank turned, staring at her. What do you mean? I mean, there's a definite change in your scent. When you become a seeker that grows stronger each time you lose a piece of your animal spirit. There's definitely a different smell altogether when you become a malice. It's not a different smell, David noted. The evil smell is stronger, more pungent. Evil smell? Hank said in confusion. It's not what you think, Katie tried to explain. It's more like a warning smell, telling us you're not one of us. They get stronger the closer you become a malice. The point is, Zack said excitedly, they can't tell the difference, and we can use that to our advantage. Cluxy came running up to them. I missed it, didn't I? You already killed everyone. Zack slapped Cluxy on the back as they climbed into Hank's van. We know where the malice are. The fight hasn't started yet. Katie followed Hank, who kept glancing over his shoulder, making sure he couldn't see her. If you keep acting like someone is behind you, they're going to get suspicious. She reminded Hank for the fifth time. I can't help it, great wolf. I don't want you to get hurt, Hank said. In a loud whisper, anyone within ten feet could hear. I told you, everything will be fine. Hank shook his head. Making his view known once again, he didn't like the plan. She could hear some arguing up ahead and decided it was best if they no longer spoke. Hank rounded a corner and stopped for a moment before proceeding into the room. Katie paused in the same spot her eyes widening in surprise. There were fifty malice lounging around in a large room. Several pool tables were set up on one side of the room. A lounge was located on the opposite end with a huge flat-screen TV. There were couches situated strategically in cozy circles. Hearing a fight break out, she jumped as two large guys the same size of Hank started swinging at each other. The others in the room didn't bother paying attention as it looked like one of the guys was actually going to be killed. Katie stayed where she was until she realized Hank was already on the other side of the room. She broke out into a run, dodging the two fighters as she went. Looking back, she shuddered when it became obvious one of the fighters was dead, and the other one decided he was hungry. Turning back around, she resolutely decided not to look again. She stayed directly behind Hank while he went through another corridor. Others passed him without even giving him another glance. Hank paused for a moment before pushing through the double doors. Katie looked around her. It was a very large professional kitchen, which looked like it had never been used. I don't get it, she whispered to Hank. How come no one goes in here? 
Nobody likes their food cooked, Hank said in a loud whisper. He pointed to a large walk-in cooler. They don't like it cold either. Katie shuddered, thinking about the scene she witnessed in the rec room. Nobody goes in here at all? Hank pointed to the dust on everything. It's a reminder of who they used to be. The people who built this place for them didn't realize it. Katie pulled off her backpack, digging through it till she found the cutters. Hank pulled out the large gas stove away from the wall. Katie jumped behind, using her cutters. She cut the gas line, allowing the gas to start filling in the room. Jumping back out, she materialized for a moment, giving Hank a quick thumbs up. He pushed the stove back into place. Katie looked down on the floor, seeing skid marks in the dust. Frowning, she looked around for a broom and started sweeping the floor. What are you doing? I'm trying to cover up the evidence that we moved the stove. Will you leave it? No one comes in here. It's the details that gives you away, Katie mumbled, continuing to sweep. She ended up sweeping the entire floor while Hank complained the whole time. Finally putting the broom away, she followed Hank out of the room, walking directly behind Hank again. She kept her eyes swinging around till she found what she was looking for. Finding the air conditioning thermostat, she fumbled in her backpack till she found a screwdriver. Unscrewing the cover, she clipped any wire she could see. She placed the cover back on the wall before proceeding to every room. Hank casually opened doors, leaving them open. Eventually, they walked through the whole compound. Katie was satisfied they had cut off all air vents into the underground compound. She followed Hank back out the way they came. David, I believe we're all set. Are you out? David said with his thoughts. Yes, Katie answered. The next time you don't go down, no matter how super powerful your projections are, David said, his thoughts aggravated. Katie rolled her eyes. Relax, nothing happened, just like I said it wouldn't. Katie watched Hank as he chained the door behind them. This exit is blocked, she announced. How about the other exits? All known exits are blocked, Zack said. I have the van in place, David said. I still don't know if it'll be enough. If we only killed one malice, we have succeeded. Okay, the van is turned on and I have the carbon dioxide going directly into the vents, David said. I hope they all go straight to hell. Amen, she quipped, knowing if she could see David's face, he would be grinning. Too bad we don't have another vehicle, Katie mumbled. I could probably steal us another one, Hank said casually. Katie and David stopped dead in the tracks, staring at Hank. You, you stole, stole the van we were using? Zack chuckled. Where do you think he got it from? David shook his head. Some innocent person out there bought and paid for a vehicle we used and have no intention of returning. Relax, Cluxy said. We used their vehicle to kill a bunch of monsters who were going out and eating people in their streets. We haven't killed them yet, Katie said, continuing to walk. I didn't hear anything blow up or sirens announcing we were successful. Give it time, 
Zack said. It will take a while for the gas to seep through everything. You cut a big enough hole in the line, didn't you? David asked for the fifth time. She nodded. The gas was escaping pretty good. Okay, all we need to do is wait, David said, repeating himself again. Now we got part one of our plan taken care of. What are we going to do with Steve Jones? Cluxy said. He's obviously a leader. We just don't know how far up he goes. I bet his computer will have some interesting things we could learn, Zack said casually. Katie gave Zack a quick look. You obviously have been thinking about the situation. Why don't you just go ahead and tell us what's on your mind? I'm thinking of going into his office and stealing his hard drive. Of course you are. Katie leaned against the wall, waiting patiently. The elevator made a soft, dinging noise, indicating it was stopping on the floor she was on. She saw Stephen Jones's receptionist step out and head for the office. Katie straightened, stepping behind her. She walked directly behind, keeping the door open, but projecting it closed. She allowed Zach and David to slip in. She walked towards Stephen Jones's office and felt the knob. Opening the door, she projected a closed door again, allowing Zach and David to enter. Zach dug through his pack, pulling out a screwdriver. Why don't you just unhook it and take the whole thing, David asked. Because I don't want to lug the whole thing all over the place, Zach explained patiently. He started unscrewing the back panel of the computer. It'll only take me a few minutes to get this done. Katie peeked through a small window, watching to see if Steve Jones would appear. I doubt the man arrives exactly on time for work, she said softly. Just keep an eye out for him anyway, David instructed. Here we go, Zack said with a soft laugh. One hard drive. He put it carefully in his bag. Don't bother putting everything together. Let's just get out of here, David said quietly. Katie moved away from her window. No, Zack, put everything back just like it was. It will give us more time to get completely away. David rubbed his face in agitation and started pacing the room impatiently. Hello, Mr. Jones. Katie gave David a shocked look before she projected them invisible. Zack was putting the finishing touches on the computer when Jones came walking into his office. He placed his briefcase on the side of his desk, narrowly missing Zack as he slid into his chair. Katie gave David a quiet, let's go. Zack moved by the door. David gave the man at the desk one last glance. He casually walked over and grabbed Jones's briefcase. Katie opened the door, projecting the closed door and walked out of the office. Stepping onto the crowded street, the three walked calmly towards the L blue line. Getting on the train, Katie grabbed her cell phone. Mr. Price, we're ready to leave the city of Chicago. They were almost to Chicago O'Hare Airport when the explosion could be heard. It actually rocked the taxi they were in. Katie gave David a wide-eyed stare. I hope we only killed Malice, she said with her thoughts. David shook his head, looking out the window. He pointed to a large pillar of black smoke. Zack chuckled. Don't worry, those buildings were abandoned. There were no homeless people living in them because they were probably already eaten. 
Cluxy will give us a heads up on the damage, Katie said. She eyed the black smoke with a worried expression on her face. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.